Welcome to the Father Jim Willig Gospel Teachings Podcast, presented by Heart to Heart, a Catholic media ministry. Father Jim was a well-known and much-loved diocesan priest from Cincinnati, Ohio. Inspired by God's Word, for many years, Father Jim presented a weekly Bible study on the Sunday Gospels. In 2001, Father Jim went home to the Lord after a battle with cancer, but his recordings and teachings live on to inspire thousands. First, we hear from Father Jim's good friend, Jesuit priest, Father Michael Sparrow, who opens this podcast by proclaiming the gospel reading. Then, Father Jim's illuminating gospel teaching follows. A reading from the Holy Gospel, according to Mark. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain, apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them, along with Moses, And they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came a voice. This, this, this is my beloved son, 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 son. Listen, listen, listen to him, him, him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone, except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. The Gospel of the Lord. This is such a wonderful gospel that I'm so thrilled to share with you today. As as I believe this gospel can give us a vision of what we are to be. And anyone who knows something about vision and mission statements... We know that it's very important to first have some viewpoint or view of who we are to be and what we are about. And Jesus knew that more than anyone. Have you ever felt that there is so much going on in your life, you just need time to get away in order to get it together? And that's what Jesus is feeling, and and that's what the disciples are experiencing We need to put this into context here. Jesus is about to begin the journey to Jerusalem. 
that will lead to his passion and his death. He had just told his disciples a few verses earlier that they too must take up their cross and follow him. And you might recall Peter protested and the other disciples resisted this call to carry their cross. And so Jesus decides to take a few of them onto a retreat where hopefully they will gain a clear vision of what God wants for them. And so we're told, beginning of this gospel, Jesus takes along Peter, James, and John, who form, you might know, the inner circle of the disciples, who were his closest companions and friends. In fact, Peter, James, and John happened to be the first disciples Jesus had called to come follow him, and now they were following him along a mountain of glory, but they will also be called later to share in his agony in Gethsemane. They formed, in a certain way of speaking, a small support group, even though they didn't always offer the support Jesus had wanted. I guess it suggests to us maybe where we experience the Lord in our life. Isn't it among the inner circle of our family and our friends? Don't we experience the Lord and get a good sight of what our life is about when we pray with close companions, when we have a small support group? Isn't that what lifts us up and helps us out? And so that's what Jesus knew instinctively. And he goes off to this mountain retreat. And we're told he is led up a mountain. Now, you would know this if you studied the scriptures, that mountains are a very sacred site. It's a sacred setting for any apparition or vision or divine revelation. Just as Moses was called to Mount Sinai and experienced God there and received the law, so Jesus is presented almost like another Moses. Again, why did he go there? The same reason why we sometimes go on retreat, to kind of get our life together, see what really matters most, hear and listen to what God's will for our lives might be. And there we're told Jesus was transformed, transfigured. The word is, in Greek, suggests a, a change in his very form and being, suggesting what will happen later after Jesus' resurrection a transformation of his life. And that same transformation is to the disciples a preview of that time when Christ will come again, but it's also a preview of the coming attraction to their own resurrection. Because we're told, remember, Jesus' clothes turn a dazzlingly white, whiter than any bleacher could make them, suggesting that, in fact, this is supernatural transformation. The hint here is that we would understand if we want to be transformed, we really want to have a change of life, then we have to go to that place where we experience God. Where is your mountain? Where is the place where you get renewed and transformed? Where do you get lifted up? Because most of life we have to live in the valley, where we have to go on with life, and there's a lot of ebb and flows and highs and lows, but... There are certain places, certain people, and certain experiences we can have where we are inspired and lifted up. That's what Jesus wanted for his disciples, that they could have a glimpse of the glory that ultimately is offered to everyone, especially at our day of resurrection. We're told in this vision, and we should not understand it so literally maybe as 
figuratively, the two figures of Moses and Elijah stand on either side of Jesus. And standing there, he is talking to them. Moses, you might know, represents the law and Elijah the prophets. And these are the two main divisions of the Hebrew scriptures, which says immediately to the disciples in this image that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. In fact, he will replace them. And it's such a glorious vision and experience. We're told that Peter was just overwhelmed. And he said, Rabbi, how good it is for us to be here. Now think for a time, where have you felt that and said that? Mm, it's so good to be here. It's just so good that we came here, that we experienced this when we're with our family or friends or have a holy experience. It's almost like you feel the presence of God there and you want to stay there forever. And that's why Peter says, let's erect three booths on this site. Someone said it's the first church festival ever set up. Let's set up three booths here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Obviously, Peter wanted to maintain this mountain-high experience. He did not want to come down to earth. He did not want to face the hardships that were on the road ahead of him. He wanted to stay with the glory and avoid the agony that was surely to come because that's part of the transformation experience and process. Just as we want to get in on the good and avoid the bad. It's a natural inclination in all of us. But out of this experience, we're told again, another wonderful symbol is a cloud. Now you could understand the cloud is that euphemism or symbol of God's presence. Remember, it was the cloud by the pillar of cloud by day that guided Israel all through the desert. And so like a cloud, in fact, nebula in the Latin word we use to talk about nebulous experience. It's something vague. And isn't that true of God's presence? We just can't always grasp it. We certainly can't control it. These mystical experiences cannot be fabricated or manipulated. We can't bring them about ourselves. You can't control God, but we are attentive and receptive to his presence. And like a cloud, it hovers over us like his spirit that comes to us. And out of that cloud comes a voice. This is the beautiful thing. The voice speaks this wonderful message. This is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. This is the same message you might recall that Jesus heard at the baptism in the Jordan. The same reaffirmation of who he was as a beloved son of God. This is what we all need to hear, not just once, but over and over again, especially when we're going through difficult times. Don't forget, God led Jesus up the mountaintop because he was about to go down to Jerusalem to suffer and die. He needed this experience. He needed this strength that these words, the assurance of God's love, was with him. Just as we, when we're going through the most difficult times, is when we need to take time to pray. When we're going through the most difficult times and feel we're all alone, is when we need to be with our friends and strengthened by our small community of support. And so Jesus is no doubt moved by this reassurance, strengthened by this vision himself, as are, of course, the disciples, because this is intended for them as well. We're told the voice instructs them, listen to Jesus. 
listen to Jesus. This is what we need to keep telling ourselves when we're going through hard times. All we need to do is look and listen to Jesus. And as they do, all of a sudden, everything else disappears. And we're told all they see is only Jesus. What does that mean? All they see is only Jesus. Jesus is all they needed for the road ahead. This point came so powerfully home to me uh, this past week. You know, I keep learning so much about the, my, in my work at St. Joseph's here in the West End. And I feel free to share this experience I had last Sunday, which is an experience, you know, where I think the Lord really does lift up this community on Sunday and call them to that a kind of a mountain where they can experience him at the liturgy when all God's people are invited there. And I was all set to begin Mass, and I was just waiting for everybody else to, ready to get started. And I sat down, and as I always say, we're on God's time, and then St. Joe's. And, and so I'm waiting and just praying, and a woman comes along, and, and I introduced myself to her, and we had a few minutes, I guess. I didn't know when it was going to start, so I said, Did, tell me a little about yourself. I'd love to get to know more people here. She sat down. She said, you want to know something about me? Well, this past year, my son received a double life sentence in prison for murdering someone. And my heart sank. And she said, a few months later, my daughter committed suicide. Oh, my goodness, my heart sank again. And she went on, and with all this, their father and I separated and divorced, and just last week, this boyfriend I was with, who I thought we would become engaged, left me. And I'm thinking, I don't know how this woman keeps going. I said to her, how in the world do you hold it together? Without hesitating, she looked at me and said, Honey, I hold on to Jesus. And Jesus holds on to me. I hold on to Jesus, and Jesus holds on to me. I was ready to begin that liturgy. Because she had fired me up. To understanding what liturgy ideally is, the time when we all go up the mountain because life is hard in the valley. Life is difficult, and sometimes you get way down in the problems and the pressures that we experience in the valley. And God wants to lift us up in order to keep us going. And so we sang the beginning of that liturgy. I looked over and I saw her, and we were singing, Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, and Jesus when the sun goes down. And I imagine this is what keeps her going, because she talked about praying to Jesus in the morning, praying to Jesus in the noontime, praying to Jesus when the sun goes down. I was lifted up by that kind of faith that the Lord wants to instill in us that leads us to the mountaintop. We can go there, for God is inviting us. I was talking to our business manager just yesterday. We were going through the books, and I was praying, I don't get it. How are we going to keep going? What is this? 
What's going to happen? He says, Father, don't forget, our people here in this parish ask that same question all the time. I said, that's true. But still, how are we going to balance these books? How are we going to make ends meet? How are we going to make it all work together? He said, you know, I'm going to tell you something, Father. You may have noticed this already. Whenever I come here to St. Joe's, pray with these people, I know that these people know that they need God. And you know, when I go back to my parish, I don't hardly ever get that strong feeling. But when I come here, what they pray, the way they sing, the way they respond, you know, they know they need God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, we don't have to be economically poor to be poor. Every one of us experienced poverty in lots of ways, poor health, poor marriage, poor situation with the children, poor circumstances of our life, poor whatever it might be, emotional state that we are in. We can all experience that. We just got to know what to do when we hit the pit of depression is to head on up to the mountaintop. And the Lord wants to lead us there, but where is your mountain? Where is the place where you experience the presence of God? Where is the place where you do feel lifted up? Where do you go to pray? Where do you go for that vision, that greater perspective of life? We've got to go there. We've got to see Jesus holding us, helping us up there. I remember going there to Mount Tabor in Israel. It was a wonderful experience to walk up there. The very top, when we finally reached the top, there's a huge sign that says, no tents and no camping allowed. <laughs> I thought it was always a reminder, you can't stay there. But in that experience, I remember being there and praying there. The feeling that there's something that lifts you up when you're on top of it all. When you're on a mountaintop, your problems look smaller and God looks greater. When you got a view from the Hubble telescope, you can't help but see the world, how small it is and how humble we all are in the hands of our almighty Father and Creator. You've got this feeling, this faith that comes with a greater perspective when you're given the mountaintop view. God wants to give us that view from above. God wants to give us that view that in the pew, that where we stand and where we pray. And he wants to give us that grace that we need to get through our week. This is what the vision is all about, that we all need. You can't get through life without a vision. We need vision to see where we're going. And that vision comes from the Lord. And so the disciples are given this vision. They've been given a vision of Jesus' passion just before. And now they're given a vision of his resurrection. They need both of them to go ahead with this plan that God has for them. Now, it, interestingly, the last line of this gospel we hear is that the disciples continued to discuss what to rise from the dead meant. Jesus told them not to tell anyone. And what does that mean? Why did he say don't tell anyone? Maybe it's because, as Bishop Sheen said, they only had half the story at this point. They did not understand the glory yet without the agony. They did not understand you can't have the crown without the cross. They had to wait a while to put it all together before they understood it. Or, as I often think, sometimes we say this in the church, if you really want to get the word out to some people, you don't have the time to call everybody 
and just gather together just a few people, tell them what you want to tell them, and then tell them, whatever you do, don't tell anybody. Maybe that's what he had in mind. Because somehow we hear the whole story today. But this story you see is a story that precedes the passion and leads to the resurrection. It's so necessary when we're going through hard times that we have a vision to hold on to. Again, think of what my friend said. I'll never forget. How do you hold it together, Father? I hold on to Jesus and Jesus holds on to me. And she goes up that mountaintop each Sunday. She's one of the leaders in the parish who lifts us all up. We are called to that experience. Disciples, of course, did not understand it. They didn't want to understand it. Maybe they couldn't understand it. Why the cross was facing them in their life. Why the suffering. Why the hardship. Why was life so difficult? They did not understand, but they would someday. And it all fits together. And this is the mystery. This is the vision. That somehow it's those hard days. It's those difficult nights. It's those horrible, heavy crosses that are the force of the transfiguration process. That is what changes us. That is what transfigures us. That is what inspires us. And we become a mountaintop people. Let me end my part of this explanation with I think the greatest example most recently to me, in fact, our deacon who preached at Sunday's liturgy spoke so eloquently when he quoted the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who on the night before he was assassinated on April 3rd, 1968, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King delivered what I believe was an entirely moving visionary sermon. He ended his sermon hours before he would be assassinated with these words. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't matter with me now because I have been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind, like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. So let us just take a quiet moment right now. The disciples were invited to listen to Jesus. Let's listen to the Lord and ask him, what is it the Lord wants to reveal to us? About our life? About what would be our mission in life? What is the vision he wants to give us? Don't think in glorious or grandiose ways. Think in simple, humble ways. The Lord's calling us to work, to help one another in the journey with Jesus through life. How can he use our time and our talent? So those who are starting right at home, right around us, in our own parish community, in our own circle at work, among the people we rub shoulders with, I personally believe 
but at least it's certainly my hope and prayer that this time with the Lord can be a mountaintop experience, be it ever so small a mountain, that nevertheless, it is our way of coming away with Jesus to listen to the Lord so that little by little we could be transfigured and transformed so that we could go back to work and go back home a different person. So we could take what we see and what we feel, what we learn here, and take that back richer and better to give to others. I believe that, don't you? And this is where we're being invited to come this Lent, that we could be fed by this daily bread of God's Word. Amen. Thank you for listening to Father Jim's Gospel Teaching. We hope you have been inspired and will subscribe to this weekly podcast and share it with your family and friends. The mission of Heart to Heart is to proclaim the good news of God's Son, Jesus, to the entire world. For more inspirational teachings by Father Jim and Father Michael, visit our website, www.htoh.us. May God bless your heart and the hearts of all your loved ones.